Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstravel.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. We're recording the trail that's traveled in Marrakesh, Morocco. We are in the old Medina of Marrakesh, and I'm sitting here with Mabruk Smara. He was born in Tagunit, in the province of Sagura, which is in the Sahara Desert. Mabruk, I'd like to ask you now about the traditional compasses that you see all over North Africa. They're sometimes described as crosses. There are 156 different shapes that are unique to each tribe, including the Berber, Tuareg, and Bedouin nations. These compasses have been used for thousands of years by nomadic tribes while utilizing celestial navigation. Can you please explain how you navigate through the Sahara Desert, following the stars and using these compasses. Yeah, hello, how are you, good? Uh, big welcome, and they want to explain for you some some special things that we bring from Sahara. It's, it's mean like the compass, Berber compass, that before we use it in the desert for uh, find our, our why, our direction, because before there is no technology and people before in Sahara Desert, they should be found because sometimes it's windy, sometimes it's rain, sometimes it's... Uh, you should to be never lost your way. So for that we use the compass. And the compass that we fix it forever with the polar stars in the north. And after we fix it too with the moon. And then in the day that we put something inside for like a mark inside. Then with shadow of these things, with sand that we know our direction to. Yeah, make welcome. Mabruk. Are these compasses, these silver compasses, used today? Do people still use them in the Sahara for navigation? No, right now it's, it's technology. Everywhere right now in Sahara there is, a, there is a radar, there is connection, there is a... So for that people they use right now, only just by eyes or they use by, by stars. And there is a light, for example, so for that you can never lose your way. Can you tell us about where you grew up? Can you tell us about Tagunit? Uh, Tagunit, this is a small village. It's after the province of Zagora, like uh, 64 kilometers. And before, the, the last village, it's named Mahamid Ghislan. It's like 20, 28 kilometers. It was in the middle between Zagora and Mahamid. And this village, it was in the, the, the Dravali. The Dravali is the second longer river in all Africa. There is first one in Egypt. Is near, and this is the Dravali, it's the second longer river in all Africa. They start from the village of Agdis in the Sahara Occidental. They passing by the village and the, the mountain and crossing the desert into the ocean, into the Sahara, Sahara Occidental. And especially, this is a small village that before people are living in Sahara Desert, 
for example it's important to have shopping to bring the bread to buy the, the things vegetable for 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 cooking so for that people this long time nomadic people they come into this village for buy the stuff like a, one time each week and they buy they chip or camel for to have life to get life and to have little money and uh, so for that until today that we still and lot of nomadic people are moving to to this village is because that they want their children to have a school to study to help them uh, i live there right now in tagunitia but without this village we will be in sahara like before yeah mabrook can you tell us about the sahara desert and what it's like to live there and how do you find water in the desert yeah normally it's great life it's peaceful life normally yeah it's it's important because even i will talk about sahara that we have only just one word that I should to be say when you are in je- desert and then you judge by yourself yeah because it's another life is more spiritual more quiet more calm yeah and about the water that we make a, a hole that we find a hole or oasis natural is natural oasis or a hole then we have water or sometimes when it's raining we find the water in the river yeah tell us about the food in the sahara dates camel milk how do you survive when you need to do a long crossing in the desert and you don't have fresh food uh, with this time that we take with us for example when we want to travel like with family like three days four days or a week that especially we take with us the the the, the farin for making the bread of of desert with sand and after we take with us the dattles we have a chip with us for for sure we have a milk we have two that we have vegetable we take with us vegetable that it will get us for a week for not not to be needed after that we fix we make like one day couscous one day like a marmite like tagine but traditional one sometimes we make like berber pizza is bread with the with the onion with the meat inside yeah what kind of meat is in the inside what kind of meat do you eat in the sahara we have sometimes a gazelle yeah we have camel and the sheep Mabruk, can you tell me about your family and your ancestors and where they came from and how long they've been living in the desert for? My parents, my grandparents, my deep of my family, they are nomad, nomad people. Even me, I spent some five years in nomadic life, but after we move in, but the rest all of, of my family, they growing just in the desert life and nomadic life, yeah. But they are happy and they are healthy because... They was living in nice water, nice food is everything is uh, is very healthy and fresh. Yeah. Mabruk, what do you mean by nomadic? Can you explain what it means to be nomadic? Yeah, nomadic they are people are moving. They don't stay in place. Nomad they always they live in just with animals. They honor life just with animals. So for that they have uh, donkeys, they have sheep, uh, cows, camel. They are moving is about just for for camel and for uh, animals to have water to have eat so for that they are moving each place when it's rain because we know because nomad they know everything and the, the the place of the season each place when there is its grow there is a lot of water so for that we move and it's it's mean like nomadic people it's like very very old people they don't stay in the same place that they are moving nomad yeah mabruk what can the west learn from living a nomadic life Ah, there is many things, many things to learn. Yeah, that you, you should to be responsible to for yourself. You should to, even you have you have ten years, 
in nomad people you should be have responsibility of your of yourself you should to be know how to cook by yourself you should to be have uh, like you should to be have all the things about yourself experience uh, to know somebody will be stressed because as they say people may be nomad in desert is stressed no never stressed the, the town cities yeah are stressed but in sahara is there is no stress yeah so for that you should be have just you you make your life by yourself this is important yeah that is the voice of mabruk smara he was born in tagunit in the province of sagura in the sahara desert we're recording the trail less traveled in the old medina of marrakesh morocco and mabruk is preparing moroccan mint tea can you tell us about this tea and why you're preparing it by holding the pot so high above the cup and the importance of bubbles for the Berber? Can you tell us about it? Yeah, normally the, our tea is forever we like it with bubbles because, as we say, Berber tea without bubbles is like a nomad without scarf huh? or like <laughs> or like a camel without a bond. As, as we say in the desert, it's important and too that we cook our tea, our food, because the tea, when we, cook it, when we cook it, we cook it with wood. We don't make it with gas or electricity. Normally, we cook it just with, uh, with, with wood. It's something traditional. So for that, we like it with bubbles, and it's more stronger. And as it seems like, uh, it's like the water. When you are swap, you want to have to drink like five liters of water each day. If you drink a tea, you will have to drink only just three, three, three liters of, of water. It's like they give you energy. Yeah. Mabruk, can you tell me about the clothing that you're wearing right now? Ah, this is our traditional clothes because before in the desert, it's, uh, there is different tribes. There is, uh, for that, there is different color. For example, blue mans, the artwork or Sahrawi. And there is Berber, they use always black or white. So for that, in our traditional, it's important we make like Jalaba. Not jean, because the jean, as we don't like it. Because as there in the desert, we like to be more comfortable. So for that, we make uh, the, our traditional clouds that it's not heavy. But in the winter, we make jalaba heavy too, for winter. And scarf, it's important because it's protection you of, uh, protection you of windy when it's windy. Or of sun, protection you of sun too. And sometimes when you are traveling, sometimes you don't have clouds. You don't have blanket. Then you can be use it for... Uh, like a blanket for protected you or sometimes you go to to a wall in Sahara and you don't find like a cord to bring to take the water from the wall then we use our turban too there is a lot of things that we use it yeah for clean for clean the the the, the, the kitchen too the cups of, of uh, the glasses of tea when we drink tea we clean it with the water and after we clean it with turban that it make it soft yeah Mabruk can you tell me why camels are so important for you in the desert and why are camels also better than horses because the camels are very strong that they are traveling is they are as we say right now is like a jeep a jeep right now a berber jeep is a camel that they are walking everywhere without no problem high in the dunes the the river the mountains and they are stronger too that that they can take everything luggage you can be read it sometimes too and we like it so much because sometimes we, we feel very, very, like, alone. A family, a nomad family without camel is like like a family without parent. Is that we, we live it with them. We, when we grow in this life, we find ourselves with camel. It's like our, our family too, yeah. yeah. Mabruk, can you tell me a little bit about the, the music that you have in the Sahara? Yeah, yeah. As we play music traditional, sometimes we play... Uh, 
will we'll play music like Ahidus. Yeah, this is traditional when there is some wedding. And there is different, uh, that other tribes do, there is they play with the guitar, with the jump, yeah. But as all the time that when we play music, is like that we say something for family, they have a wedding. It's not just we say like that we play, just we say words, no. That it means something for good luck for uh, the person are getting married, or for family, or for something, for uh, for the life, for the God, for uh, for have rain, for have many things, yeah. It's like history that we should to be say something from our mind with the music that we play it from heart and we say words from heart. It's for in the true, yeah. That is the voice of Mabruk Smara. He was born in Tagunit in the province of Sagura in the Sahara Desert. Mabruk, can you tell us about where we are recording right now? Shop. Yeah, we are in uh, number uh, hundred eighty-two Riyadh Zitul Qadim. Is just behind the, the Hina Art Cafe. Yeah, it's in the Medina. It's like two minutes working from the square Jamalifna. Yeah. Tell us about the square Jamalifna. It's busy, uh, very, very busy, but it's nice place. Yeah, in the night that uh, all people are meeting. There is folklore, traditional tourists. They are very happy and restaurant. Yeah, really, we are happy to to be here in Marrakesh and really we are nice. We have a nice, uh, nice city, Marrakesh. Yeah. Do you like Marrakesh or do you miss the desert? For sure. Uh, each one, they will f- forget uh, mother home, as we say. Uh. Nobody will be forget his, uh, his mother home. No, forever that we think about, about our life, that we, we grow and you have family, you have friends, you have everything. But when you find yourself that you are comfortable, because as we say, is you by yourself, you make your life where, where you want. If you want to be happy, it's like in desert, like in Marrakesh, like in England, like in France. It's, it's about your heart, about your experience spiritually too. It's you, you choose your, your way. If you want happiness things, it's, it's similar, yeah. It's like Sahara, like Marrakesh. Mabruk, where would you like to travel? If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Over the world, huh? <laughs> yeah, why not over the world? Because for making peace for life with all people, all countries, yeah, this is important. Mabruk, shukran. Thank you so much for your time and for the tea. Welcome. Marhaba. Shukran, Marhaba. Can you give us a couple of lessons on Arabic? Yeah, marhaba. It means welcome. Shukran. For, for sure, all the world, they know it. It means thank you. Salam. It means like hello and how are you? It's me like Labas. Yeah, marhaba. Cheers, it's me Bisiha. Yeah, this is cheers. It's me like Bisiha. Bisiha. What does it mean? It's me like cheers. Yeah. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Yeah, health. Yeah, it's like health. When you start uh, 18, we say Bisiha or we want to make cheers or we say Bisiha to similar. Yeah. It's like with the, with the good things, with the have, have a cup of tea or uh, 18 with the healthy and. Uh, I have one more question for you, and that is the tribes in the Sahara, the Berber and Tuareg and all of the different tribes, what religion do they mainly practice? Is it Islam or is it, some, is it different? No, normally they are Islam, Muslim, yeah, they are Muslim. But as in desert before that we, we don't think about, we, we have different religions. We are, yeah, we are Muslim in heart, but even there is Christian or there is Jewish or there is anyone, any religion they have. We should to be mixed and be peaceful life and be grateful, brother and sister. Yeah, 
because as we say, all of us we are brothers and sisters. Each person have origins, they respect it, and they respect the other the origins of the other person. This is important, yeah. We've been speaking with Mabruk Smara. He was born in Tagunit in the province of Sagura in the Sahara Desert. Now, Mabruk, we're sitting in your shop here with a, your family member. Is this your father? Abraham. Abraham, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome in my shop. Marhabaz, family. I was wondering, Mabruk, can you share some music with us? Can you sing us a song or play some music? We don't have it. Mabruk, can you share three bits of advice? Like what exactly? What advice to be in peace and to be grateful and to helping people as you can. If you can't, you can help them by heart. This is important. We're recording the trail that's traveled in Marrakesh, Morocco. We are in the old Medina of Marrakesh, and I'm sitting here with Mabruk Smara. He was born in Tagunit, in the province of Sagura, which is in the Sahara Desert. Good day, mate. This is Joe coming to you from the Sunshine Coast in Eastern Australia. The Trail Let's Traveled podcast is sponsored by Desert Green Hemp, family farmed, organically grown, tested and manufactured in Sisters, Oregon. Desert Green grows some of the finest genetics in the world using organic and biodynamic practices to provide the cleanest and most effective CBD. The rich volcanic mountain soils, dry climate and directly sourced mountain spring waters are what gives Desert Green uniquely pure and powerful CBD products. They also grow a variety of herbs and flowers on their farms that not only provide a direct source for some of their products, but also introduce beneficial bugs and pollinators to their land. Desert Green Hemp pride themselves on contributing to the regeneration of social, economic and environmental health on our planet. Visit DesertGreenHemp.com and remember to use the promo code MANDELA, M-A-N-D-E-L-A. This promo code will get you discounts and special offers. That promo code, Mandela, directly helps you and the future of Adventure Radio. We're recording the trail less traveled in the old Medina of Marrakesh in the Kingdom of Morocco. And I'm standing here with Abdul Samad. And Abdul was born in Marrakesh. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me, Abdul. No problem, anytime. Yes. Awesome. Can you tell us about your childhood? Where did you grow up, and how was adventure a part of your childhood? Well, uh, I was born in Marrakesh, just like I said, uh, right next to the tannery where tanneries are. What's that? Where's that? Uh, a neighborhood called Sidi Ayoub. That's where I grew up, 
until I became 20. And then I left Morocco. And then after a few years, I would say, well, probably about 20 years, I came back to Marrakesh again. And here I am again talking to you. <laughs> yes. Where did you go when you left Morocco? I went to the U.S. Yes, I went to New York. And uh, I lived in New York for, for about 16 years. And then I moved west, Poland, Oregon, and Seattle, and Alaska, mm-hmm. yes, for a while. And then I came back to Marrakesh. What were you doing when you were in the U.S.? Well, I was married. I was married to an American. And then I got a job in the supermarket, Wild Bombs. Uh, I worked in, uh, for Wild Bombs uh, as, as a clerk in the produce department. And then I attended school, I attended Kingsborough, and I attended Brooklyn College. Yes. What did you study? In Kingsborough, I went for my ESL. And then in Brooklyn College, if I applied for my, my high school diploma. Yes. What's ESL? English as a second language. ESL is English as a second language. That's right. So the other day I was walking down the alleyway. Where I look out the window right now. There's a donkey walking the same path I walked. And when you said hello to me, I heard a New York City accent. That's right, because I lived in New York and I used to work for Americans and all those things. Yes, and just like I said, my wife was American. She was born in the Bronx. Yes. So can you tell us about when you were a child growing up in Marrakesh? What did you do? Tell us about your childhood. What was it like? Uh, well, it was a lot of fun, let's put it that way. Yes, yes, you know, running this way and that way and playing soccer, you know, playing the, the top, you know, with the string, you roll the string around it and then you hit it on, on the floor and things like that. Yep. And next to the tanneries, you had farms. And we used to go over there and then pick the apricots and, 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 and fruits and, and we'd be chased by the guards over there. It was a lot of fun for us. We used to go swimming and all those things. But that has all changed. Those farms have been bought by people who have uh, money and power and they turned into buildings now. You know what I'm saying? How else has Marrakesh changed since you were a child here? Uh, well, a lot. Totally different. The sick things with the, the motorcycles and, and the carriages and... And the cars, very annoying. It was not like this back then. You know what I'm saying? Back then you'd see a few donkeys here and there and bicycles. And, you know, it was a lot quieter and a lot easier to maneuver on the streets and, and talk to people and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Now, most of the people are on the alert because of people's attitude with those motorcycles and the cabbages. Most of the time, they're criminals, you know, and they'll be running those things. And then if you say something... A lot of times you'd be attacked, either verbally or physically. Yes. Motorcycles, carriages, whatever it is, or what you call them, the tuk-tuk things, and, and, and you know what I'm saying? Very annoying. No good. No good. Marrakesh was not like that back then. It was a lot easier to maneuver, just like I said. It was peaceful. You know what I'm saying? And people were down to earth and humble and, 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 and all those things. Now, they got an attitude, let's put it that way. More of an attitude than in New York City? Well, 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 New York has its share of problems also. You know what I'm saying? But, well, let's put it this way. You know, in America, people insist that each one got to do the job and they got to mind their business. Over here, it's totally different. They all talk about the same shit and they don't do no shit. 
You know what I'm saying? They do not mind their business. Let's put it that way. They interfere into people's businesses and things like that. It's it's not fair. And, and it's rude. You know what I mean? Well, in New York, the government is tough on those things. You cannot tell me how to run the city. You know what I'm saying? You ca- you're not allowed to do what you want to do. You know, there's certain rules and certain laws that you got to follow. Over here, it's not that way. You know what I'm saying? It's like a zoo. Let's put it that way. If, say, for criminals, is there punishment? Morocco got a, got corruption problems. You know what I'm saying? A lot, see, you see, well, they're not supposed to run on the street. You know, there's a sign over there that says to motorcycles and, and that they cannot ride their motorcycles this way. Or that way, coming from that way. But they do it anyway. Yeah, you can hear in the background there's motorcycles coming by all the time. Yes, yes. And, and way faster than the donkeys pulling the carriages. There you go. And then let's see, there's a policeman standing over here. And then he sees someone not wearing the helmet with no papers for the motorcycle and breaking the law at the same time. The motorcycle owner could pay like, well, let's say, well, about $10, corruption, and then they let him go. So you're talking about this alleyway that's right behind you. Let's look out the window, Abdul. Yes, yes. So we're on the trail less traveled. We're recording in the old Medina and Marrakesh. I'm standing here with Abdullah in this beautiful shop. Can you describe what you see when you look out the window? Uh, well, I see the, 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 the excursion agency, and I see the butcher shop, and then the hotel right over there, Hotel Belleville. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, the people that I'm familiar with, the people I see every day, basically, and the people I deal with, with sometimes and things like that, yes. Let's walk out. Let's go out onto the street and, and okay. maybe, because, you know, this is a radio show. So here we go. We're walking out of the okay, shop right no now. Problem. And yeah. um, people are listening on the radio and they cannot see where you are every day. So can you describe when you say the butcher shop, there's meat hanging here. And then right next to the meat, there's all this beautiful leather. And then we have these yes. scarves, these Berber scarves and yes. then tagines over here on the left. Right. So maybe just paint the picture with okay. words as to what you see around you. Okay. Well, let's put it this way. Back then, Marrakesh was what you could find in neighborhoods, basically, was a mosque, a barber shop, and the butcher, and then uh, the produce shops, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables and things like that. Today, it's totally different. You know what I'm saying? Each neighborhood has these things that I mentioned, and then shops for tourists. Back then, you could not find someone selling next to the butcher. Do you understand? Yeah. You know, the tourism that's coming now to Morocco, you know, basically, well, a lot every year made people turn certain shops to stores where they could sell, like, souvenirs with tourists and, and make the money. And You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's yeah. more hectic now than before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, what do you see here? Can you describe what... Paint the picture of this place. What do you see? Beautiful people and beautiful shops. <laughs> well, let's put it that way. Yes, beautiful people and beautiful shops. That's what I see. See that guy we're selling the vegetable mm-hmm. with the cabbage? Yep. He used to have a shop over, uh, on the other side, and then they threw him out. Yes. Why? He could not afford to pay the rent, so he ended up on the street with his vegetables. Yeah. Yes. It seems like it's hard to make a living in Marrakesh. Is that true? Is it is. It is. It is. Right now, most of the kids dropped out of school. You know what I'm saying? And they started chasing tourists. 
quick money. You're looking for the square. The square is right over here. And then they tell you it's this way. And they go around, and then they bring you back to the square, and then they ask for 200 dirham. You understand? So that's for them. Quick money. And they don't have to go to school. You don't have to listen to the teachers. You know what I'm saying? That's a big responsibility for them that they cannot handle. So it's a lot easier to be with their friends and hang around the street and get the money. So I'd like to now ask you, Abdul, maybe we'll walk back into the shop where it's not so loud. And uh, you can maybe tell me about the culture in Morocco. Uh, What is it that you want to know? There's a man outside, and I'm wondering what his outfit is. Can you tell us about that outfit he's wearing? That's a jalaba. That's typically Moroccan. When I was born and when I was growing up, basically old men were wearing those things. It's called the jalaba, and they had the kofia. And then the women were wearing those things with the veil, and, you know, that's the way Marrakesh was back then. Marrakesh and Fez and Isawir, and, and all that has changed. I mean, if you see kids running on the square all day, at night, and, and it's not good. So can I ask you, Abdul, the yeah. woman who's at the butcher shop right now, she's covered up entirely except for her eyes. Can you tell me why? Well, that's the way she grew up. She grew up in a family that had that kind of belief that the woman should be protected and safe. Because Islam insists on those things. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Quran, it's mentioned. I'm not familiar with the Quran that much, but it does state that the women should be covered that way. So basically, that's why the women used to be dressed that way. Can you tell us about some of the traditional ways of courtship in Morocco, like finding a partner, dating, and getting married? What were the traditional ways? Was it arranged by the family? Yes, that's the way it was back then. Uh, let's see, a guy sees a girl somewhere, you know, in a wedding or whatever. Then he got to tell his parents. Then his parents go to the girl's parents, and then they talk about the engagement and those things, and then they get involved. But today it's not like that. They do it on their own. Can we talk, Abdul, about some of the history of Marrakesh? Can you share us some of the history that you know about this city, your city? Marrakesh was built, I think, in... 454, and then by Yusuf bin Some of the history of Morocco. What does the word Morocco mean? In Arabic, we say Al-Mghrib, where the sunset takes place. We say the east, where the sunrise, that's the Middle East, let's put it, the sunrise, Al-Mghrib is where the sunset takes place. So Morocco means in Arabic where the sun sets. Yes, If you've just joined us, this is the voice of Abdul Samad, and Abdul works in the Medina, the old section of Marrakesh, Morocco. And you can hear that just outside of the shop, there's lots of motorcycles going by with donkeys and tourists. And Abdul used to have a keen interest in travel as well. And you lived in the United States, and then you came back to Morocco. Why did you come back to Morocco? Well, I lost my wife. I lost my wife to cancer. And if I had a choice, I wouldn't have came to Morocco. I would have stayed in state. There were more options for me in the U.S. than over here. You know, over here is very tough, and, and it was not easy for me to find this job, this option over here. You know, it took me, well, I was hanging out in the street, going here and going there, you know, chasing tourists on the street to make a living. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the U.S., I had an apartment, I had the food, I had the job. I could attend school any time. So did you have U.S. citizenship, or did you leave because you didn't have it? No, I had a green card, and I was in the U.S. legally. 
the fact that I was married an American, you know what I'm saying? And I was paying taxes in the U.S. also, yeah. uh, joint taxes, my wife and I. Why did the, the U.S. not let you stay? I think that the answer to that is I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, let's put it that way, and then I ended up in trouble, and then I came over here, and then when I wanted to go back to the U.S., they would not allow me, you know what I'm saying? Abdul, what are some of the main differences between Morocco and the United States? I mean, I'm sure there are so many, but can you tell us some of the differences between cultures? Americans are open-minded to a lot of issues and, and things like that. And I think they believe in limits. Uh, the philosophy of, uh, well, a person is allowed to work and, 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 and have a safe place to live and, 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 and food and medical bills and the, the kids should go to school. and You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They care, let's put it that way, they care yeah. more than Moroccans. And you can see, like, well, like in, in the evening, if you walk to the square, you see a lot of kids hanging out there. Nine years old, four years old, five years old. The parents are not, are not around. You know what I'm saying? And the government does not care. You know, those kids should wake up in the morning at 8 o'clock and go to school. Meanwhile, you'll be selling T-shirts to tourists on, on the square and, you know, picking pockets. And, and, and it's not fair. I mean, if you wait for those kids to make decisions for their own, that's doesn't make sense. Abdul, how many languages do you speak? I speak English and, and I speak a little bit of French. The fact that I studied French over here. Mm-hmm. I studied French for about seven years. And Arabic, yes. So Abdul, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and energy speaking with me today in your shop. No problem, anytime, yes. And maybe you can share three bits of life advice. Well... Uh, for the people who come to Marrakesh, let, let, let's put it this way. Well, the, the, now everyone has a, a portable phone. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people are targeted for those things. If the portable phones got stolen, you know, it's, uh, some people will have their phones injured, but they still got to go to the cops and let them know that their phone got stolen. That way, the cops can go out and do their job. And uh, Marrakesh would be a safer place for people to come and... What have you learned in life that you'd like to share with people? Life is not easy. Yes. It's a struggle. Yes. It's tough. Yes. And, uh, and well, let's put it this way. Well, uh, you wake up next day. Well, if you wake up next day and you don't know what's going to happen, things can change in, in a split second. Sometimes you have things planned, but that's not the way it is. And how do you stay so positive? You, you, you just have this really positive energy and you say hello to people and how do you say so positive the years that I spent with my wife it did help a little bit you know what I'm saying well when it comes to having a positive attitude mm-hmm. people in the US a lot of times believe no matter what happens you got to have a positive attitude and you got to go out there whether there's crimes or whatever or there's no job you got to go out there and speak to people and talk to people to change your day and to change your mood and to change your attitude, basically. And that's what I do, basically. Otherwise, I could have stayed in my house and not go out at all. Sometimes you come face-to-face with certain people who have a stupid attitude and no respect at all and, and things like that. And then the annoying motorcycles and, and, and carriages, and it shouldn't be that way. It's a sad thing. I mean, a street like this, you have motorcycles. 
kids running those things very fast and, and very dangerous and you know they don't care they just want to go to prison so your advice for someone who's traveling to marrakesh is what what's your advice for someone who's traveling to marrakesh valuable things that's what most of the tourists are targeted for the phones the currency a lot of times and things like jewelry and things like that you know what i'm saying and if something happens let's say you should go to the police station and make a report a lot of people a lot of times say ah the phone, well i'll go back and i get another that's not the way it works you know what i'm saying marcus should be a safe city for the next pe- people coming to market each one of us got to do their job We're recording The Trail Has Traveled in the old Medina, the old part of Marrakesh, Morocco. And I'm speaking with Abdul Samad. Yes. And Abdul, it's now time to play a song. You love music. Can yes. you tell us about the music in Morocco and tell what song you'd like to share with the listener? Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not an expert on, on singing. Well, let's put it that way. Well, I used to play music when I was a kid, but that was a long time ago. The fact that I lived in the U.S., I became more interested with the rock and then I tried to play the guitar when I was in the US and all those things and the keys and the drums and all those things. What song reminds you of living in Marrakesh? No, there was a singer, well, there was a singer, well, I think, what, what was it? Uh, I think he was from Saleh. Saleh is a city right next to Robat. And this was like in the 40s and the, his songs were very famous back then. Mm-hmm. And he's... Uh, Well, let's see. Well, I do not know the words, but I, I do listen to his songs sometimes when I hear them on the radio. And he used to sing about the... Uh, well, he used to the, the describe the butchers and, 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 and the people, well, uh, selling the vegetables and, 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 and the attitude of people in Marrakesh. And they used to call him Slawi. Slawi based on, on the city that he was from. We're recording the trail that's traveled in the old Medina of Marrakesh in the Kingdom of Morocco. And I'm standing here with Abdul Samad. And Abdul was born in Marrakesh. The trail less traveled in the Medina, which is the old part of Marrakesh in the Kingdom of Morocco. And we're standing in a pretty narrow alleyway right near where I'm living. And I'm speaking with Ahmed Tobar. Ahmed, first of all, where did you grow up? First of all, I didn't grow up in Morocco. I oh. was growing in like Sultanate Oman when I was uh, like a kid. My parents were, uh, were working there, so I grew up there. And then we came into Morocco... In like 2004 or five, yeah, and then I grew up in Marrakesh. Tell us about Oman. Yeah, it's like uh, an Islamic country. It's a Gulf country. They are a little bit conservatives. They live like a simple life. They don't have complications in politics. They live just a normal living there. Yeah, they don't have complications at all. You said that you're interested in more modern Marrakesh. I'm interested in more modern things in general. Marrakesh, as I said, uh, we have two parts. 
We have the old Medina and the new town. Oh, there's a big difference between the new one and the uh, old one. As you can see, if you go around Jamal Fna, it's not like going in Galiz or Dawdiyat. There you can find big uh, restaurants, big companies, multinational companies also. But here, no, everything is local. My local markets, traditional markets, yeah. You just said the square, and you were talking about the Medina. So what do you mean by that? Can you describe those places? Yeah. First of all, we are going to talk about the old Medina. If somebody come here, the first thing he will notice is that uh, people here are uh, normal. In the old Medina I'm talking about, the square, they will find some traditional things there, like a man who plays with snakes, plays with uh, monkeys, some people who gives you like uh, traditional foods. Yeah, Marcus also, he can buy uh, some traditional uh, clothes, hats, leather-made things, yeah. But if you go to the new town, it's like uh, going any uh, European city or uh, American city. You can find, like, brand, fashion, uh, clothing things, yeah. That's the difference. But for tourists, it's, uh, it's uh, more interesting to, to go to the old Medina, yeah. Can you tell us about where we are right now? So we are in the middle of the old Medina, yeah. We are next to some uh, traditional houses here, normal houses in the old Medina. Uh, as you can see, those are like an alley where there's uh, like seven hotels. We call them riads, not hotels, riads, because what's special about them is that we have rooms, small rooms with traditional tiles, yeah, and decorations. And there is nothing more than just like bed, and uh, uh, that's it, yeah. And you said here in the Medina we have traditional homes. What do you mean by traditional homes in Morocco? Ah, traditional homes. So, how can I describe that? As you see, like the doors are made from wood. The glasses are multicolor. When you say Medina, what do you mean by Medina? Medina, Medina is, uh, the translation of Medina is, uh, it means city. Medina in Moroccan uh, dialect. So that's why you say the old Medina and the new town. Old Medina, Medina Qadima, the new town, the modern Medina. Yeah. And between the old Medina and the new Medina, yeah. there's a wall. Can you tell us about the wall? That wall, it was made... When Yusuf bin Tashfin came in Marrakesh, he built a wall around Marrakesh so he can protect its civilians from attacks. Can you tell us how many languages you speak? Currently, French, English, Arabic, and I'm starting to learn Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like for you to live in Marrakesh? Do you like living here? <laughs> to be honest, I don't like to live here. I want to live in another country, actually, so I can be more expressive about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in our country we are a lot conservative. We cannot let people say what they want, say what they think about. I need more uh, freedom of speech and more freedom of expressing yourself. Yeah. So expressing yourself in other ways besides speech. I'm talking about politics. In Marrakesh, we said that we have the new town and the old town. It's the same in our government and in our uh, Morocco in general. We have the new mines and the old mines. Mm-hmm. And between them, 
they are not uh, related. No one wants to share its, his uh, expressions with the others. We have a wall between these uh, two minds. Yeah. What is the punishment for freedom of speech, say, if you did want to say what you wanted to say? What's the punishment? Uh, there's no punishment, but uh, people will look uh, at you in different way. They will say that you're not normal. They are just going to see like you are a different one, different person. You're not Moroccan. I'm talking about extreme things. Yeah. We cannot talk about extreme uh, subjects here. Extreme subjects. Yeah. I'm not talking about Islamic. I'm talking about freedom of thinking. You should be like in the middle of everything. You should not talk about uh, like gay people, about uh, if you want to have a girlfriend and go wherever you want or drink whatever you want. You should be like a Moroccan, typical Moroccan, yeah, modern Moroccan, yeah. Okay, so can we talk about that? Is there equal rights for that community? I don't think so. I don't think that they have the rights to express about what they think about, no. So if two men were together or two women were together in Morocco, would they be punished? Yeah, they would be punished. They would be put in jail. It's forbidden here, yeah. As a Moroccan, you can't express that. You have to hide it? Yeah, you should hide it. And nobody will talk about it. But if you express it to people, they will hate you. And they will not uh, go to talk with you anymore. And you will be, like, alone here, yeah. Can, how do you feel about it? I don't think that uh, this should be, because we are all human. We should be living in humanity. Everyone uh, should uh, have his own rights. Mm-hmm. We should respect his, uh, his own uh, way of thinking, mm-hmm. yeah. And then what about for dating? You were saying that a man and a woman, if they wanted to be together but they weren't married, then they, I'm not aware of what those rules are. Yeah, you cannot uh, go alone in uh, wherever you want in Morocco. Maybe when you go with her in somewhere, maybe policemen are going to harass you. They will say, yeah, you are not married. What are you doing with her? What are you doing with him? That's a problem. So you can't say you have a girlfriend, you want to take her to Wabazat for the weekend? For or the weekend, yeah. You cannot go free. You are going to get arrested by police or by people. I'm not talking about like in Marrakesh, in Casablanca, in Rabat, in cities, in big cities. You won't have this, this problem. Okay. I'm talking if you want to go like... You visited the Atlas. Mm-hmm. If you go to somewhere where uh, like we have conservative people... Mm-hmm. They won't accept that. If they see a Moroccan boy with a Moroccan girl alone in some place, oh, no, that's, that's forbidden for them. You should not be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, so in rural areas? Like, not all rural areas, but uh, in some places in Morocco, where people are close-minded, narrow-minded, yeah, they don't accept that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Can you give the listener three bits of advice? Just live free, think free. And yeah, and respect people. Yeah. What about your advice for traveling to Morocco? Everyone should uh, come and visit Morocco. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, country where you can, can see a lot of things, a lot of different cultures in one country. Yeah, yeah, I advise all people to come to Morocco and discover that. People are friendly. Everyone is going to help you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool to come here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, it's time for a song. So if you could tell me a song that you would like to share with the audience. Gans and Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. Because it reminds me of my first days when I was uh, practicing guitar. Namaste, Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Traveled. 
the Trail 1033's locally harvested adventure radio series, dedicated to collecting stories and sounds from around the world. You can follow the show, see pictures, and archive previous shows on the official website, traillesstraveled.net. I'd like to thank my guests for this week, Mabruk, Abdul, and Ahmed. Big thanks to all three gentlemen for making the time to meet with me during their busy day in the square of Marrakesh, Morocco. The Trail Less Traveled airs every Sunday evening at 6 Mountain Time. You can stream the show online at trail1033.com. The podcast is free and available on all podcast platforms. And if the show has ever transported you, please consider writing us a review to help this new genre of adventure radio. My adventure tip this week, while traveling in Morocco, particularly in rural areas, women should consider dressing more conservatively. When visiting mosques, you need to cover down to your wrists and ankles. And it's always a good idea to cover your shoulders and wear pants or a dress that falls below the knee. And for everyone, it's a good idea to keep a shawl or a scarf handy. One of my friends, Mabruk, who was born and raised in the Sahara Desert, likes to say, a nomad without their scarf is like a camel without its hump. Well, that's it for this week's adventure, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week's adventure, please do something for Mother Earth, in addition to getting outside and shredding the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar does not shred itself. But wait, there's one more thing. I invite you to join me at the Roxy Theater on January 28th at 5.30 p.m. for a multimedia presentation called Nomad. I'll be talking about guiding whitewater in the Atlas Mountains and chasing water into the Sahara Desert. The event is part of the International Wildlife Film Festival Presents, and all proceeds are donated to the International Wildlife Film Festival, which started here in Missoula 43 years ago. So I hope to see you on January 28th at 5.30 p.m., and you can get tickets at the Roxy Theater. After my presentation, we're going to be screening the film Anthropocene, which is a cinematic meditation on mankind's re-engineering of the planet. This is a film that I feel it's important for every human being who calls Mother Earth home to see. I hope to see you there. Thanks for considering, and have a wonderful evening.